Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Beyond Trans Podcast. My name is Andre, and I'll be your host today. Um, Our episode today is part two of Self-Care is a Thing. Self-Care is a Thing. Self-Care Matters. So this is part two. Um, And what we're going to touch on today, um, I've asked our guest to assist us. His name is Nico Wolf. He is on staff at Bliss Cares in Orlando, Florida, and he um, is living life and loving life. So um, he's a friend, and I trust him impeccably with you, our listeners. So self-care is a thing, part two. Welcome to our podcast, Beyond Trans. You'll remember that our intention in this podcast is to bring upliftment to the transgender community and to humanity itself. So uh, those of you who are listening, thank you for participating. Listening is very much a participation. Um, So Nico, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe we could start there um, before we go into the self-care topics. The self-care topics we're going to touch on, by the way, uh, is the social impact of being trans and family relations. Um, You'll remember in our prior podcast we talked about get you a tribe, that sort of thing. Um, But we're also going to talk about, we're going to talk about family things, and these are things that I really wanted to bring Nico in on, so... Um, anyway, so maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm currently in my early 20s. Uh, I grew up in a white, uh, middle to upper class family. Um, I've lived here in Florida. It's kind of like my home base. But I've also lived in Boston, Chicago, and kind of everywhere in between. Um, I grew up uh, the oldest of six kids, so my family was pretty busy. Uh, I was always the one helping my parents out, taking care of the kids, stuff like that. We were all homeschooled, so our... Oh, wow. Yeah. All homeschooled. Where did that come from? Uh, My mother was really passionate about teaching and bringing authentic learning into the household. So she, her background is in, I think, early elementary education. Okay. So she, she really wanted us to learn how to learn. Um, so that was something that was really important in our household. It was always ask questions, figure this out, figure that out. Um, and it really helped me in college and later in life because now where all my peers are learning how to learn on their own when they're faced with bills and life and all this, it's something that I already had in my back pocket. And it was very helpful when getting jobs and getting my own apartment and having to figure out life on my own is a lot easier with that skill in hand. Uh, yeah, on the I found I was a homeschool teacher for many years for a homeschool co-op, mm-hmm. and the parents brought their kids there because they wanted the same thing your mom yeah. wanted, and I I find that the children who were homeschooled are very independent, very capable. Yeah, I, I see that in you as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, independence is something that was really important to me, um, and it kind of carried over as soon as I moved out. I moved out at 18, um, and I moved into with my grandmother. Did you move out on good terms? Um, Just asking. Yes, it was good terms because I didn't have anything to verbalize my transition at that point. Okay. Um, I had nothing to say, this is who I am, this is who I would like you to see me as. Um, so nothing was brought up. 
Um, but when I moved in with my grandmother, it was it was my time to do a little bit more self-reflection. I wasn't surrounded by kids who needed me, parents who needed me. It was just, you need you. You need to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother is probably the wisest woman I have ever met and probably will ever meet. Um, she's one who has definitely influenced my faith a lot. She's someone who taught me that it is better to be who you are and to listen to yourself and just love. That love is the most important thing and that everything else will follow. Um, she also taught me like the best halibki recipe ever, so that's delicious. <laughs> um, Wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, she's definitely someone I respect the most. She's still out living life. She's in her 80s, and she travels, and she does all this stuff. She works in the backyard, and when I get to her age, I hope to be as active as she is. Mm. Um, but yeah, I moved in with her because my granddad had just died, um, and so even though that was really sad, the timing worked out because it was it was my time to move out of the house, start being independent. And that sort of little transition period really helped me because I wasn't completely on my own, but it was my turn to start being independent. And so when you when you moved out, it's you started becoming more self aware and yeah, it, it was it was space away from the little bubble that I had lived in for the first eighteen years of my life. It was new experiences. It was new opinions. It was. It was space to have my own opinion, um, which was a first. Yeah. What comes to mind is like, um, you know, the rock band, The Who, The Eminence Front. Like, you don't have to put up a front anymore. So it's like, okay, holy cow, who am I? Yep. What is really, who am I? What's important to me? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. When you don't have to fulfill those, like, societal role obligations anymore. Right. There wasn't anyone that I was told that I needed to be at that point. It was just exist and figure out who you are when you're just existing. Mm-hmm. And so as you became more aware of yourself, uh, how did you bring that back to your family? Or did you, or was it necessary, or did they find out on their own, or did they kind of know all along, that sort of thing? Well, as far as transition-wise, um, it wasn't until I was nineteen, twenty that I started having the words to say I, I was I was born female at birth, but I am a guy. Um, I didn't have those words until later on. I knew something was different because of how my body would react, um, the dysphoria, um, just like general social anxiety whenever someone would particularly comment on how beautiful I was or stuff like that that just emphasized that I was a girl. Um, and especially in my family, because they were always like, you're the best sister, you're the best daughter, all this stuff. Um, and so even though like the words were good, I couldn't understand why they were making me feel bad. Um, mm. Wow. Yeah. That's That right there, I'm just going to pause there for a minute. Even though the words were kind, it didn't explain why you felt bad. That's huge. Right. You know, how many of us can relate to that? Raise your hand. I mean... That's just really amazing right there. Okay, go ahead. Because, like, I knew my mother loved me, and I knew my dad loved me. Um, I grew up in a home where they definitely supported me, um, but after I started physically transitioning, I realized it was more of the idea of me that they supported. It was, 
you are a daughter, you are this, you are that, instead of looking at, okay, this is my child, this is a, this is a person. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, the words were always kind, but they still, they don't understand that where they're coming from, it's not kind, it doesn't feel good, it's doing more damage than it is mm-hmm. helping. Um, as far as my siblings go, um, I actually, I came out to them first because I knew how my parents would react. Um, I, I told them, look, I'm not your sister, I'm your brother, this is the name I'd like to go by. And they were originally accepting, they were originally like, oh, okay, this makes no sense, but sure, you're still our older sibling, you're still annoying, it's, it's whatever. Um, but then when my parents found out, um, they did a complete 180, and they took my parents' side. Which, honestly, I, I understand, because when you live in the household with my parents, it's, you have to believe what they believe, otherwise it's just torture. Because that's all you know. You live in that little bubble. There's nothing to support other facts. You have to believe that because that's your reality, and that's all you're given. So, I'm hoping once they move out that they'll be able to understand, or at least come to terms with agreeing to disagree. Um, but we'll see. So, mm-hmm. I know it hurts my younger sister Sarah the most. Um, I know it hurts my mother the most because they're the most feeling and emotional oriented. Mm-hmm. I know they. Well, hurt a lot. let me just ask. So when you say you know it hurts them the most, you mean their awareness of that you are a man or that the choice you've made to leave? They believe the choice I made to leave was because I don't like them anymore. Because I don't love them. Because I don't love them enough. And that was very prominent the last time I went to go see them. Um, wow. I, I went to go see them because I had finally got my legal name changed and I got my gender marker changed on my license because um, that was the biggest argument they had was that this is your name on your license, this is your gender on your license, this is your gender on your birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got all that changed, I went to go see them, and I, I didn't even get to the point where I told them. Uh, my mother started crying. Um, my sister started crying. I had to... I calmed them both down, and it was my mother not understanding why I wasn't repenting and why I was choosing the world over her or over God and my sister didn't understand why my mother was telling her I was too dangerous to be invited to her birthday party. Um. So just so the listeners are clear Mm -hmm. that it wasn't present for your parents or your mother until you showed them your license. Like, the core of who you are, you sharing authentically, mom, family, this is who I am, wasn't validated. But then when they saw the driver's license, it was like, holy I, I blippity blip. I came out to what them. What has my child done? Yeah, I, I came out to them. Like, I, I sent them a text message saying, hey, I'm trans. Um, I knew I didn't have the courage to say that to their face, because... I knew they would either start crying or I would backpedal and try to fix things because of where I was mentally at the moment. Um, But they still don't believe that being trans is a thing. Okay. 
they, they still believe I am delusional, that I am choosing the ways of the world over them, that I am okay. revolting and, and doing stuff like that so, against them. Yeah. Because I'm finally free. Okay. So we just want a presence for the listeners. Here we have Nico, finally free, knows who he is, making choices in his life that affect the outer world. And the family members think it's the outer world that he's choosing rather than him choosing who he authentically is. So I just want to presence that for everybody so we can really see how deep this runs. I mean, we're talking about love here. Family love is thwarted and um, misunderstood when someone recognizes and realizes who they are and comes back and says, hey, this is who I am. So, you know, that does happen. <laughs> um, we also want to presence a statistic right now. I like to presence on Beyond Trans statistics for sobering purposes because they're sobering. And 84% um, of people in the United States do not know a trans person. So 84 out of 100 don't know a trans person. So, you know, if you choose to be visible, you can see the value of that, of impacting, you know, Nico's, this is Nico's life, right? So the more that we who are comfortable sharing and being out in the world is who we are, it's going to ripple out and, and change perhaps, you know, Nico's parents who have no clue that, you know, trans is a thing and it's been that way for eons and, you know, the ancestry of it. That every choice that we make in the world, these ripples go out. So, you know, we can actually impact and assist, you know, those who just don't know. And it's not to make them wrong. Absolutely not. They're perfect the way they are. You know, they need that right now in their life for whatever reason, and that's okay. We can honor that. Um, and we can um, show up, those of us who um, are willing to be visible and be who we are. You can see the amount of courage that it takes and the life, not only the lives that are on the line, but the livelihood, the living of life. It's not just life, it's the living of life. Here we have an entire family that's, you know, the living of their lives could be transformed um, as the realm of... Uh, knowledge of trans is made more aware and ignorance is erased in the world so just wanted to present that statistic so self-care is a thing so uh, on our last self-care part one we talked about um, you know some of the intangibles of self-care and I wanted to bring Nico in for part two because um, I asked him you know what he felt were some things that around self-care and and he mentioned family and he mentioned the social impact of being trans so I just want to walk together in the unknown into the realm of social impact like what is that being trans and how that impacts us socially so that we can all be more present to that um, so um, social impact what are your thoughts on that what would you like to share like that would be right let's just social first of all let's kind of define that. That's friendships, that's work, that's, you know, living out in the world, hailing a taxi, right? All these social yeah. things, right? So, 
social is broad, so for you, you know, what would you like to share about social impact and self-care? Well, I think the, the biggest part for self-care um, socially is to have a support group in place before you start transitioning. Um, <laughs> that was a mistake I made. <laughs> so <laughs> I am the kind of person that does things all at once or not at all, mm -hmm. and I, I basically cut everyone off all at once because everyone in my life was toxic. I, I was surrounded by family who did not support me. I was surrounded by friends who did not support me. My partner at the time did not support me. Um, there were even some people who went above and beyond to not support me. Um, but seeking out relationships that build and grow you in the way that you think is best is very, very important, um, just in general, but especially when you start transitioning. I'm still looking for a good mentor for me because um, growing up, I would always see, like my brothers, um, they would have older male role models. And that was something that was really important to me. Um, just finding someone who's already gone through life, who can share their advice. Mm -hmm. um, and I do my best to pick up advice from anyone and everywhere on all situations. But having someone to specifically sit down with you and work with you and talk with you is something that's so important. Um, so a uh, key word there is, you know, on Nico's suggestion is before you transition. So before. Yes, definitely before. <laughs> Um, and a mentor, and then just t sharing about the transition process itself, you know, like, everybody has a different definition of how long that is, whatever, and I was just, I just, uh, somebody that I look up to, that I aspire to, was just sharing about, you know, three years into their transition, and, you know, they didn't really know much, mm -hmm. you know, and so, what is that to you, like, um, the transition period, that sort of thing. I mean, I know we don't want to get too linear. It's yeah, probably yeah. a feeling thing for everybody, but... Well, I, I'm of the personal belief that everyone is always transitioning no matter where they are in life. Everyone is always changing. Everything always is growing, um, just hopefully in the right direction. Yes, me too. One thing we can count on in life is change. Mm -hmm. um, transi transition is something that's very personal. Um, Medically transitioning, I plan to be on T for the rest of my life. Um, personally, surgery-wise, I only care about top surgery. Bottom surgery is something I don't have dysphoria about, so I don't plan on changing it. Um, that might change later down the road, but we'll see. Um, transitioning is something that you have to realize doesn't necessarily go as planned. Um, it's not always as soon as you'd like it. It's not always as fast as you'd like it. Um, you'll hit roadblocks and you have to learn to be at peace with those roadblocks because even though it might not be according to your plan, everything will work out somehow. And it just might not be the way you expect it. So how long have you been transitioning, would you consider it? Quote um, unquote. Let's see. I came out last year in June, so I would say I started mentally transitioning for about a year and a half now. Okay. Um, so, um, with regards to a mentor, mm -hmm. what, what, what do you intend to manifest in your mentor? Like, what's important to you? Like, like, where the rubber meets the road in life, what do you desire from a mentor? Does it matter, like, um, if they're trans-masculine or trans-feminine, that question? And then also, 
what is important to you? What you know as far as a mentor, and also you know mentors. Could there be mentors? Absolutely. I think multiple mentors is actually better than one. Um, I see no reason to ever cap off someone that you can learn from. Um, as far as someone I want to learn from, I want to learn from someone who is masculine. Um, it doesn't matter if they're trans or not. Um, and actually, I, I relate to a lot of people, a lot of guys who didn't grow up without dads because even though my dad was there, he was present, I didn't learn how to be a guy from him. So it's almost like when you're on T, you're, it's like you're going through puberty again, but I don't have my parents anymore. So I don't have my dad to teach me like, how to shave, how to act like a guy, how to be a gentleman, stuff like that. Um, so looking for guys who have been through life, whether it's family issues, financial issues, spiritual issues, anything that they have grown from and any advice that they would have, that's what I'm looking for. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure I'll agree with all of them, but that's my part in life, that is my decision to make, and that's why that's where I get to grow and become my own person and hopefully be a mentor to someone else. Okay. And then um, with regards to social impact, how has, um, you know, being who you are out in the world, can you share maybe some stories or just you know, the social impact of, of your choosing to transition? Uh, yeah, a few things. Um, I would like to say that being transmasculine is a lot easier than being transfeminine. Um, I believe our society definitely has patriarchal values, um, and anyone who comes off as more masculine, it's a lot easier. Um, growing up female, I was met with a lot of pushback on my ideas and what I would say and I'd, I, would, I would have to fight to speak what I thought was important. Um, but now that my voice is deeper and I'm looking more masculine, it isn't questioned as much. Um, and I, I want to use my visibility to bring light into that because I feel like any person, no matter their history, they always have a voice and their story is always important. Um, and I don't feel like people should have to fight more to have their voice heard more than other people. Um, Another thing as far as social impact, um, lost my train of thought, coffee's gone. Um, with my job, um, I have to be very on top of being visible. Um, and that's not something that's very easy for me all the time. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm someone who likes to be in the shadows. I prefer one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. uh, interactions. Um, so social media isn't really my thing, but I'm learning to work with it. Mm -hmm. I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback that I inspire a lot of people, and that's not something that I expected. Um, I grew up, I've, 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 I've dealt with depression for about nine years now. Um, some cases of low self-esteem, but just, just a lot of depression in general. And being an inspiration to someone is not something I expected. Supposedly, uh, there's a statistic that 41% of LGBTQ youth um, commit or attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. And I was very close to being part of that. But 
when I came out to my parents, I made a commitment to not be part of that 41%. And ever since that, I've gotten messages upon messages of people saying, you are the reason that I am still here today. And that has made a huge impact on me because if I could do one thing is just to save someone else's life. Mm -hmm. That's very important to me. And I don't want anyone else to feel like they're alone or they're going through their transition alone um, because it's very hard. And it's very important to me that people learn to accept themselves no matter how they are. I know that growing up in a very religious household, a very conservative household, it's very hard to come to terms with transitioning. It's very hard to come to terms with things that don't align with what you grew up as. And I'm having to change 18 years of education and beliefs to line up with who I am authentically. And that's not something that's very easy to do. Mm -hmm. So when you say it's not very easy to do, what is it that you have found to rely on that does assist you in that? Definitely a support group. Um, well, and so your support group, is that like a handful of people? What is that for you? I know it's different for everybody. For me, a support group. Um, I tried the, tr the traditional route of like going to therapy, um, going to an actual support group that meets weekly. Um, it wasn't something that really worked for me because I personally, I don't like to talk about negativity. Um, if I'm talking about negativity, I want to bring it about in a positive light. Yeah, and so I just want to pause right there, hold that thought. Mm -hmm. what, so just for the listeners, there's a difference between having a conversation about something, which to me that thwarts the negativity, like Agreed. I'm going to talk Agreed. about my depression for about four hours, and then there's something called a conversation for. Conversation for is all about presencing, okay, I'm depressed, okay, so here's what we're going to do for it. Mm -hmm. So that's something we can ask ourselves is when we're talking with people, am I having a conversation about something or am I having a conversation for something you can you can see the difference there so um, okay so go ahead so about the support group yeah so uh, I've noticed a lot of support groups um, and when I'm talking one-on-one -on -one with people in general they're talking just about their depression they're just complaining and restating everything that they've been through and I completely understand that I have also been through things where it's just like this is so much I just want to talk about it and that's fair. It's something that we need to do. We need to get that weight off our shoulders. Absolutely. But if you're not doing anything to progress and to grow and learn, it's not going to do much help. It is only going to rest on your shoulders. And I am very tired of living with depression. I'm very tired of living with anxiety. I want to get to a point in my life where I enjoy living and I am enjoying waking up every day. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to be adamantly positive all the time um, I often joke with people I'm like I'm the most positive person you will ever meet I am ruthlessly positive <laughs> I will fight every bit of depression that's possible and I will wake up every day and I will fight for my happiness because that's what you have to do mm -hmm. and I've noticed a lot of people with depression they just sit in it and that's something that I th feel needs to change in the community we mm -hmm. need to be there to pick each other up, but to also remember to pick ourselves up. Mm -hmm. um, Two things I want to touch on on yeah. that conversation. One is um, with regards to um, what you were sharing. Yes, it is necessary to 
you know, if we have something to share that's intense, um, to share about it, yes, absolutely. There's one thing that um, dissolves shame, which is so toxic, mm -hmm. and that is empathy. Mm -hmm. And the only way we get empathy is when someone listens to us. Yes. So by sharing our shame to someone else or something we're ashamed about, there, in the listening, it's actually dissolved. Mm -hmm. So yes to that, to sharing what's important to share. Listening without judgment. Yes, that dissolves shame. One of the, it's the only thing. And then the other thing, um, well, perhaps, I mean, I'm not attached, there might be other things. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the other thing is um, optimism. I can't say enough about optimism. You know, optimism is a choice, and it's a consciousness that we can bring to things, which is what you were sharing about, Nico, that, you know, you come to a situation and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be optimistic about this. It's, it's a choice, mm -hmm. and um, it uplifts. So, yeah, I just wanted to say say something about those two things. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people say that you can't really, that you can, like, change your attitude if you think this, and they are correct on a certain degree. If you are diagnosed with something, that is your brain saying that they literally do not make those chemicals, and that is okay. I recommend seeking help, but also you have to understand that that's something, if you don't seek help, you will just exist with. And for me, seeking treatment for a long time was not possible because of where I grew up and the money that we had. But I learned how to be relentlessly positive to fight my depression. Um, and it still hurts me a lot every day. But I am relentlessly positive because I know how important it is and how much I affect other people. The energy you bring into a room mm -hmm. is very, very, very powerful mm -hmm. and I want to be the type of person that just when people are around me that they feel better that they are positive mm -hmm. um, and being around people who also make you positive is what is a good support group um, so I have been slowly collecting friends and newfound family to be my source of positivity as well that's um, great. We build on each other. We help each other grow. We push each other to be better people in general. Mm -hmm. And I feel like having that support is the most important thing you can do for yourself. Your, your closest four friends, it's like your circle of five, those are the people that influence you the most. And taking a look at the people that you spend your time with, mm -hmm. what your discussions are about, um, the jokes that you have with each other, all of those things, whether you are conscious about it enough, affect you so much. Mm -hmm. And having those close friends that are 100% are committed to supporting you and making you a better person and being there for you, being vulnerable with you. Um, and those people, those are just so important. Um, they're the ones that you share your deepest secrets with and that you trust with your life those are the people that are important to have um, and that's the best self-care that you can have. Um, learning how to pick those good people is, is, is a learned skill. Is a learned skill and I've had to learn it the hard way. Um, <laughs> experience. Oh, experience. So yeah. much experience. Yeah. Um, but having those people that build and support you um, are very important. Just to kind of say, hey, I'm having a bad day. Um, what do you think I should do? Um, and I've had my best friend, she's like, Listen, just take a deep breath, put on some music, you got this. 
and sometimes that's all you need just to have someone to say that mm-hmm. and so even true. though it's so little it does so much for you because yes, when you're fighting your own brain yeah it becomes a cycle of just I don't know what to do and that's when you panic and that's when you start going into bad habits mm-hmm. um, but having an outside voice that says hey no you got this mm-hmm. we're here for you you can do this choosing to listen to those words instead of your head is so much better and you will start to feel better even if your depression is still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of questions for, for Nico as we wind up the podcast here. Oh, and before we do that, I just want to say, you know, the thing you're talking about, you know, having close friends, that having a, a, a safe place to share is everything, because without that safety, you know, we can't be vulnerable. And our vulnerability is our greatest strength. Mm-hmm. So if we have four or five people, you know, that's what works for Nico, whatever works for you as a listener works for you, and that's perfect. Just just know this is, you know, there's no right way. It's whatever works for you. Um and I will share, too, though, that, you know, along with what Nico said, that if you have those people in your life that when you come together, you create a sacred space that is safe, that is the foundation for all the other things to occur. Mm-hmm. If there's no safety, forget it. You're not going to have conversations for. You're just going to have conversations about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be whatever there's going to be, but that safety's got to be there. And then with that safety... You know, the energy just builds and builds. And that's called a sook. And that sook is that energy that is beyond. It's called a sook, and it's the energy of a group, and it can be utilized for things. It's, it's a very powerful, uh, real, natural occurrence. Um, I would also like to add something. Sure. Um, definitely learn how to be safe for others. Learn learn how to be safe for others in the sense that when someone comes to you with something learn how to be empathetic learn how to listen learn how to not judge um i was while my parents are great people and i love them and they love me um Mm -hmm. they were very judgmental um we were we were an upper class white family um my dad is the kind of person who doesn't understand how he affects people sometimes so the way he would joke, um, it would affect us a lot. And knowing when to make a joke, knowing what to joke about is very important. Um, learning how to be empathetic to others, even if you're not going through the same struggle, is so important. Learning how to just listen instead of giving advice or doing this. Sometimes people just want someone to listen to be there. You don't have to be the answer and and all to be there. You don't have to be the one to fix things. But as a friend, you should learn how to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all I'd like to add. Learn how to be safe for other people. That's great. And I'll just tag on that. If, you, if someone comes to you and shares something and you, you, know, you don't quite understand it, there's four key words, help me to understand. Help me to understand. And then, you know, They'll share what they'll share, and you'll have a greater understanding. And with that understanding, guess what? Ignorance is dissolved. You know, we're all learning. Nobody's, you know, 
we're all learning. So, you know, just maintaining that level of humility. Okay, so, um, Nico, what would you most want, what would you most desire people to know about you that they probably don't know? I don't know, I'm kind of an open book, so people know a lot about me. <laughs> um, well, let me let me preface it with this: yeah. like in the realm of, um, you know, social, like you're um, at the bus stop and you're interacting with somebody. Like, what would you want them to most know about you that they don't know? And not not like a egotistical yeah, thing, no. but just like it's important to connect us as humanity. What would you want them to know? Um, I'm still suffering every day. Um, I am very good at making things appear like everything's okay. Um, and that I know everything and that I have all the answers. Um, but I'm definitely struggling every day. It is a very difficult thing for me sometimes not to fall back into bad habits. Um, for about... Four years um, in the very, very bad part of my depression, um, I would self-harm a lot. And it is very hard for me, still to this day, not to do it. And I have to take it hour by hour sometimes just to not self-harm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that even though they are suffering, other people are suffering as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't want this to be something that says that I need pity, but just that if you're hurting, take a look at the people around you. Mm -hmm. See how you can help. Mm -hmm. And sometimes helping other people is a very good way to not feel as bad. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah um, thank you for sharing sharing mm -hmm. that. It just goes to show you, you know, like when we go to the grocery store checkout line, we never really know what the person in front of us, what they're going through. Mm -hmm. You know that old saying, you never know what others are going through. There you go. There's yep. an example <laughs> from Nico. Um, and that's a great point about pain and suffering. It is, you know, our pain is what connects us as human beings. Um, and it's through that connection that we can... Um, actually heal and find a common bond and unite. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and then um, with regards to self-care, what is important to you is question number one. Like what's important to you in life that you give energy to every day? What's important to you? Or maybe you don't give energy to it every day, but you desire to, and that's okay, too. I would say something that I give energy to every day is the people I care about. I make it a very, very big point to verbalize that I care about someone. Um, I know there are days where I just wish that someone would text me and say, Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, I, I see what you're going through, and... I'm proud of you for making it through anyway because um, I know how hard it is day to day and I'm not the kind of person that reaches out for help very often um, which is a bad habit of mine that I'm 
I'm learning to get through, but... That you're giving up right now, right? Yes. On behalf I, of I'm all I'm of our listeners right now. <laughs> okay, so it is. Um, <laughs> so it was. Yes, so okay. it was. But <laughs> I make it a very big point if I am thinking of someone to say, hey, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. I, I really want to bring that home. I want to hit that right out of the ballpark. Thank you so much for sharing that twice. That when we're thinking about someone, imagine the difference it makes versus, I was, you know, just thinking about someone all day. Mm-hmm. And versus getting on the phone, calling them, and speaking, Absolutely. I care about you. Okay, yeah, that's you've ex- done that to me. And that's I, extending it was kindness. Perfect timing. It was perfect timing. Andre called me one day when I was really, really in a bad place. And I wasn't sure why he was calling, but all he called for was, hey, I'm thinking of you, and I'm proud of you. And I cannot tell you how much of a difference that made for me that day. Mm. Um, it gave me the energy to get through my shift and to make money to pay bills. Oh, and it actually got me through moving because it was one of those days where I was pulling like a 40-hour work day. Whoa. Uh, which also, not good, not yeah. good. Uh, don't do that. Um, so we're both bringing home the point that if you're thinking about someone, cut it out. Get on the yes. phone and call them. Speak it, please. Don't these these little things that we think about in the day. Like all of a sudden, you think of your best friend, right? Mm-hmm. Take that and magnify it, and take action on it. You know, because we take action on so many other things in our life that are, you know, are what they are. Like, oh, I need to charge my phone. I need to do this, and we take action on all that. Well, what about these little insights that we have? What if we honored our intuition and zoomed in on that, magnified and called. Imagine imagine the difference we would all make. So we're here on Beyond Trans, we're challenging you to that. Honor your intuition, get on the phone, call, reach out, whatever, meet them in person. Ooh, right? <laughs> get off social oh, media. Man. Actually see them face Meeting to face. What the heck? Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> so um yeah, that's great. <clears throat> All right, so um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Self-care is a thing, okay? Remember, self-care matters. Oh, I was going to say, too, that, um, Nico, when you were sharing about that, I'm so proud of you. One of the things I've taken on the last two weeks is, you know, kind of doing that. You know, earlier in the podcast you were sharing about, okay, I don't have a mom and a dad figure right now, so I'm manifesting those as mentors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your your male friends, Um one of the things we've taken on these last two weeks is um, self-talk, like telling myself I'm proud of myself. Yep. You know? Yep. And I don't mean it in an egotistical way, but like, I'm proud of you, Andre. You know, and it's Absolutely. like, wow, what does that sound like? What does that feel like? All that validation I was looking for in the outer from others, it's like, can I give that to myself? Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, wow, what do I most want to hear? That's something you can ask yourselves, listeners. What do you most desire to hear from somebody and say it to yourself? Even voice memo on your phone and put it on repeat, you know, until you're full. Whatever it takes, you know, we're worth it. And it's so important that we maintain our self-care because we really matter in the world. Um, And as we... Oh, go ahead. You can say something. Yeah. uh, The biggest thing that I learned recently was the difference between being egotistical and being self validating um and the difference is your intention is your intention to validate yourself and bring yourself into a positive light or is it to pretend to be better than others um and i think that's something that people generally miss can like they confuse um 
because like when you're going up with depression, um, you get into a habit of undermining yourself and you get into a habit of underestimating yourself. But bringing yourself into a positive light is not a bad thing. It is only bad when you start believing you're better than others because of it. And as long as you understand that we're all just human, we all have our own problems, and we're all, we all have our own skills, and we all have our own talents, bringing yourself into a positive light is not a bad thing. And learning to love yourself and learning to be okay with yourself is very good. It is a very good thing, and I, I think our, our society as a whole should start to value it more. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I feel that we are. We are presencing that. You know, the whole topic of mental health is a thing, and we're gonna, we'll have a, a, a podcast dedicated to that because it's a really huge topic in the transgender community, mental health. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then with regards to self-talk, um, remember our prior podcast about um, that our mouth is a stargate and everything that we speak, everything that we utter you know, helps to create and manifest on the outer. So mm-hmm. being aware of what we're speaking about ourselves, to ourselves, to others, okay, being aware of that stargate, what are we dialing up every time we, something exits the stargate every time we speak, right? So keeping that in mind. So you are loved, you are so valued, you are so appreciated, and we just want to presence that here on the Beyond Trans podcast as we wrap up our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here now. This is such an exciting time to be here. And thank you for being you. Um, Again, we love you. I love you. You're valuable. You're appreciated. And um, take care. Namaste.